Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 174. Uh, we are on the election day. It is It is election day. It, it may have already passed by the time you've heard that. If you haven't already gone out to vote today, please, we, we applaud, we appeal to your sensibilities. Get out there and vote. Uh, joining us this week, my good friend, uh, Fourth Ward Councilman Joe Marino is here, newest member of the Five Timers Club. We had lots to talk about, about national local politics. It was great to talk to him. Uh, also this week, we're going to break down Election Day 2018. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about downtown grocery stores. We're going to talk about the Doomsday Report, history lessons, uh, music news, uh, constellations based on comic book figures and dinosaurs, all this and so much more. Uh, again, folks, make your voice heard. Get out there, vote. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uticast episode 176. We are happy to thank you here. No, it's, I showered today, so I don't stink. Good. That's good. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's the Uticast, episode 176. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Pimolaro, host, producer. Feeling cool as a cucumber. Feeling very cool today. I'm feeling good. Uh, can I tell you about a real come up that happened to me this week? No. Okay, so Sunday morning, I woke up. Whatever day it was, Saturday morning, I woke up to watch the soccer games. And I realized, I looked at my phone, and I was like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I slept through my alarm. Damn it. Right? I was like, I missed the first soccer game, and now it's too late to get breakfast. Lo and behold, I forgot that the hour went back this week, so I got to go to Taco Bell, and I still got ah. food in time because of the fallback. So thank you very much, Taco Bell, for hooking me up with breakfasts, even though I was lazy. How did your phone have the wrong time? Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know if I... I think it was not my... I have a... What do you call it? Oh, like your you analog? Alarm I have an analog. I mean, digital Whoa. analog. You have yeah. an actual alarm clock? I do, if you go in my room, there's I'm... actually an, uh, an analog digital alarm Like with red numbers? <laughs> with big red numbers, uh, yes. Like a snooze button? It is a radio. It's a snooze button. It's got So the, you wait, you do wake up to the radio every day? No, I just like the aesthetics of it. But okay. I do like having... <laughs> I do like having... No, I'm not using it. No, no, I do like... The clock is right. Generally, right. but not on this day because I do actually have to go manually back. And unlike my phone and the Chromecast, it doesn't automatically roll over. For We've me. gotten spoiled. I bet. I bet Definitely a lot of the listeners right now, if yeah. you asked, I bet because they use their phones and use other stuff. I know people have got their car; they haven't changed it back. Right, people have that. got the stove. People have got different things like that. Clocks around the house. Uh, yeah. So if anyone else benefited from their uh, fallback moment of the year, let me know at Ucast on Twitter. Uh, also, um, anything else you want to say to him on Twitter? Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah anything. <laughs> no, we'll get anything. To, I'll get to that later. It's okay. I have, I have a special segment for that. That's okay. <laughs> um, I do want to say, and I, we need to get it out of the way right now because it's like the worst time possible for us to record this and talk about the 2018 midterm elections because this episode is going to come out on, on Tuesday election day. on election day. Vote right now. So listen. Uh, we had a really, really nice conversation with uh, Joe Marino who joined the uh, prestigious five-timers club Jeez. on the UDCast. Uh, I know it's only been 20 or so weeks since he's been on, but I uh, I had a lot of thoughts about this this midterm election. I needed to talk to somebody about it. 
And I was glad he came and chatted me up. Yeah, it's nice to get somebody who knows, you know, who's close to the election and the process and somebody who's, you know, a local politician themselves. And Joe Marino, he's been a councilman for like eight years now, probably. Yeah, eight years. So it's definitely nice to hear from somebody who knows kind of the inner workings a little bit more when we get close. But hopefully everybody's out voting right now while they're listening. Yes. Uh, yeah, please. see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and do the, the move where I vote before I go to work. That's so right. I don't have to early think, in the early it's an ambitious, ambitious. I don't have to go until 8 30 tomorrow move. because you have like a day off, but I have to go do a field trip instead of working at school. Oh, okay. So where, I got, where are you going for a field trip? Oh, God. Where am I going? We are going to <laughs> SUNY Poly. Oh, okay. And then oh. we're, it's no, it's a college visit. No, no, yeah, and then I'm we're gonna <laughs> no, and then we're gonna take the kids on a couple different uh, career visits around town. So we're gonna stop over at AP Master Images and a couple different places and look around it. Like, well, whatever. There's like five places that we're gonna go to, and uh, it's exciting. So the kids like it. We try and keep one of the things we try and tell these kids is that the community actually has places you can go and like start your own business. Mm-hmm. You don't have to leave and move somewhere else. Absolutely. And, so it's cool. We might take. I think the Stanley is also on. I don't forget where we're going to a couple different places. That's tomorrow. cool. Nice. We're going on a ton of career visits, and I'm in the middle of like grad school stuff. So all of these trips are kind of like like going into one. There's like four different career visits I'm going on over the next like two weeks. Uh-huh. Which is always weird for me to go into these places, especially with people I've interviewed or met or talked to in the past, and then I have to see them in my other job, like my day job. I'm like, <laughs> hey, how are you, sir? A lot of overlap. A lot of overlap. Like, you're the guy with the Bride of Frankenstein thing in the house. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, Heather? No. I didn't say it. No, no. I don't know what's on my Twitter this week. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about your Twitter at all. Okay. I just want to say thank you. I called uh, during my my crazy Twitter moment this weekend. Uh, Heather was very helpful via text when I was overreacting <laughs> to uh, proceed. Good, ever vigilant. ever vigilant. Ever vigilant. I called her Utica's mom. That's why. That's her new. <laughs> that's the new slogan I'm trying to get over for <laughs> Utica's mom. Heather Watts. I love it. Thanks for keeping. She's like, I'll bring you cookies and and, and candy. Yeah, and then thanks. I said he, he lost his candy privileges because like, I couldn't shut up. Yeah, I stopped. Keep it shut. I, it. I did. <laughs> I did. I deserved it. Go right to bed. No dessert. <laughs> oh man. Oh God. I think. You know what? I think there's a lot of pent up frustrations out there because I wonder if this election has something to do with it. I think it does. Do. We're all amped up today. I think a lot of people are amped up. I don't think it's just me. I've no, seen absolutely. a lot of people out there in the world pretty amped up right now. And I think it's an amped up time in the world. Yeah. Amped up time. Scary. In the world. Speaking of amped up, Kev, do you want to share your story about uh, Charlie the cat? And oh, oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, certainly. So there's a cat that lives in the house, and um, <laughs> he makes an appearance during the interview this week, too. So I bet he lets himself in and out. He's an indoor outdoor cat. Uh, he was, you know, originally on the street when he was a kitten so he was pretty comfortable with it he's normally fine but sometimes he'll find stuff outside that shouldn't come inside mm-hmm. a lot of times it's mice today it wasn't uh today he brought in a bird that was like half alive oh. so it was like flying around all crooked and bleeding on stuff and oh. there were feathers and he was chasing it down so i had to help him snatch the bird capture it and toss it outside and uh, I was not impressed with the cat today. Was <laughs> he seemed pretty happy when I came in. Not impressed with the cat today. Yeah, he's happy with himself. He was so confused afterwards, like when I was vacuuming up the feathers and everything, smelling them, being like, "Wait, wait, where's where's my bird? I don't understand." And I had to make the call. Can't have a flying around dead bird in the house. It made me think of the, we watched that Joe Rogan stand up on Netflix, and they're talking about like if a dog does something bad and you yell at it, the dog will understand it did something bad. But Charlie did, he didn't care. No cats, no, cats have no again. idea. No, <laughs> no, he will do it again. Yeah, yeah he doesn't care. He kills a lot of animals at the house. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry you had to deal with that. I've as a man I'll who's be right. been with Charlie in the bird situations before. 
Not one great. of my earliest memories of my life, I was a small child and a big crow got into our house. Ooh. Oh. And I was like I, maybe three. I don't know when you start remembering stuff, but it's probably the earliest thing I can remember in my entire life. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And my oh. dad had to get out of the house. My mom like went in my room with me and like closed the door and everything. I feel like I'd but be it was more scary because it was like a big yeah. aggressive black bird. I feel in, like I'd be scared, more hallway. scared of that than a bat. No, bats no? are the worst. Do you remember <laughs> okay. when bats? Because you can't see where a bat's going. True. Bats are too. They don't know where they're going. <laughs> they're too my, uh, elusive. <laughs> my aunt's, uh, my aunt Dolores. Shout out to Aunt Dolores. Uh, Kevin and I had to go to my aunt Dolores's house once to get a bat mm-hmm. out of the house. And yeah, we, your mom called you. She's like, "Who are you with? You got to come over." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had to go to my aunt's house and try and get the bat. And to this day, it's like my aunt loves telling that story. She loves Kevin because every like, time oh, help she, me with the bat, she does. We didn't Every find the bat. Every time she sees me, she thinks we for getting that bat out of the house. We didn't find it. It just oh. was gone. I, there's no. Proof. There was no. I don't there's know. no proof that there was a bat. We have no proof. <laughs> I mean, I was happy to see her. Yeah. Um, I just want to get this out of the way real quickly because I saw it earlier and I was going to forget it otherwise. Uh, for you folks who've enjoyed the uh, the Levitt Amp series, that's been going on in Utica for the last three, four mm-hmm. years here now. Uh, if you want it to keep going, and you you should get out there and vote for it for next year. It's again in the twenty five finalists. So go to Grant. .levittamp.org, vote for it. Shout out to our friend Michelle True does a lot of work setting that up. So yeah, man, that's a cool thing to do, and there's there's no reason we shouldn't keep getting it every yeah, day. Yeah. So let's go out and make sure we do. Uh, I see a lot of people out there. Yeah, every yeah, time every I don't time. always get a chance to stop because it happens to be you know in the middle of the week Weird the way that my like week shakes day. out. Yeah. But every time I happen to go by it, there's a lot of people out there. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna address uh, my my Twitter mishaps just by. <laughs> By reading this, You're so dramatic. By reading this list that I found on the internet called Nine Reasons to Run from an Argument on Social Media. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, number one, time's wasting away. According to NBC News, 55 billion hours have been logged on Facebook alone since 2009. So I could have had other things to do. I probably should have got out of it. Uh, number two, your thoughts are yours alone. Just remember, no one's ever won an argument like on Twitter. I've never seen anyone actually win a Twitter argument. Right? Like, there's no such thing as, like, someone's like, here's this, and they're like, ah, oh, you're right! Do you know what I mean? It's never once happened in the history of a social media. great, though. It would be amazing. <laughs> but, like, that's never once happened. So, like, again, your thoughts are your own. Number three, ask yourself, does it really matter? Because generally it Almost doesn't. never. I yell at my students all the time about, like, picking, like, is this the hill you want to die on? And I definitely, I, I died, on, died on a dumb hill. sword this weekend. <laughs> uh, number four, it gives you unwarranted stress, I guess. Uh, five, most of these people just want some attention. Uh, six. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Uh, six, a lot of people on the internet are just trolls and devil's advocates. That's another big one. Uh, number seven, fake news is nothing new. Uh, number eight, experts don't agree. Uh, no, no, experts don't argue on social media. I like that one. That's a pretty good one. It's true. Yeah, yeah. And number nine, don't get mad. Uh, everyone has their own space. That's what social media was made for. People will just shout into the void, I suppose. Right? Well, there you go. So there you go. That's how I'm going to address that this week. Uh, I guess we can talk about the other thing that's giving me stress. Are you guys ready to vote this morning, tomorrow, from when we're talking about yeah. it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there anything you're still hung up on, or you, you already know everything you're voting no, for? Yeah. No, I'm good to go. I hope everybody else is. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of like crazy coverage in regards to this sort of election. Uh, did you read the article they were talking about in New York Magazine? about? It was a big profile piece. It's been getting a lot of coverage about the 12 young people and why they're probably not going to vote. It's been like a big talking piece. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it somewhere. Mm. I don't I'm know. Not surprised. A lot of young people are not going to vote. Mm. There's one of the morons out there. I feel like even talking to a lot of my young, like, like my students that I have now, some of them are pretty socially aware, but a lot of them, I don't know if it just, I guess it didn't, I didn't grasp it either at that age. It's hard to like, 
make the kids want to do something that I probably wasn't Because their life isn't being affected yet. They live with somebody. They're not a lot of people surviving. never a lot of people never adopt any kind of care concern yeah. or concrete set of beliefs you know what i mean like i there's a lot of people who just choose not to engage with it whatsoever really and i feel like that was me like a few years ago yeah, yeah. a lot of people i mean it. until the last a lot of people, five I mean, years think ago think about people at, at every age range people at every level there's a percentage quite large of people who just choose not to even not to engage whatsoever i mean you read the article and as an older person who's like really invested in this i feel like this this time and the last few times like uh it is tough to look at it and be like Jar, you kids and shake my fist but like i do kind of understand why they would feel like none of this matters to them mm-hmm. and because even i watch it sometimes i'm like look at all these old people who don't represent me right mm-hmm. and i can feel like that's probably worse if you're young and teenage and kind of angry anyway and you know i don't know i can see it i do try and like it's tough line to to draw, especially being like a social studies type person, because a lot of the conversation, like a history class, comes back around to like politics and government and stuff like that. And right. it's hard to avoid having those conversations. Mm-hmm. You have to tread very lightly about what you can and can't say. All right, vote. If you haven't voted already, go to the polls right now on Tuesday, whatever time it is, before nine, and go vote. And don't assume your party's gonna win or your person's gonna win because that's a big that's a big problem right now. Just go vote. Doesn't matter what you think, just go vote. That's all. Just do it. Nike, send me those dollars. <laughs> send me the dollars. Listen, we're the hottest, hottest podcast on Stitcher. If I'm mentioning Nike, I should get a percentage of all that Colin Kaepernick money. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I got a couple other things for you that are, I guess, vaguely political-ish based. Did you guys see the teachers who thought it was a good idea to dress as the border wall for mm. Halloween? Jesus. What a bunch of... What an... <laughs> It's so like they're in charge of our it's kids. Just, it's it's just it's not. I mean, not everybody's kids, but it's just the wildest thing that nobody. It's people talk about it. And you'll see jokes about it and things all the time. Where it's like, how was there nobody? Nobody for the entire process coming up with the idea, making the costume, yeah. doing the thing. Who's like, you know what, guys? Actually, I don't know if we should. And there's six people in this picture too. Like oh, no. not one of them. Like it's not just the six people. If you look closer at the article, there's also a bunch of people dressed as Mexicans oh. who are part of the costume oh, as well. Gosh. So you're talking about twelve people oh, who were invested God. in this costume. Oh uh, yeah, there they are. They all have the traditional. Oh, uh, they do. Yeah, sombrero, colorful blankets, and sombreros. Yes. So. Yeah, I feel like again. Where was that? Yeah, what school was that? Idaho, Boise, I want to okay. say. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't just say Boise out there like that. Some part of Idaho, <laughs> Middleton School District in Idaho. So there you go. Idaho, Idaho. Oh, out there in the country, near Boise. So there you go. Um, all right, what else happening out here in the world? Uh, oh yeah, Alec Baldwin got arrested because he got into a fight in Manhattan. He's always getting arrested. <laughs> Alec Baldwin stays getting arrested. Yeah, I know. I feel like he was kind of overdue. For getting arrested. Yeah, he had actually, he was kind of, he was on a long streak and not being in the news for just doing something awful or being an awful guy and getting away with it. <laughs> well, now that he, like, imitates Trump on TV, I think he got a pass for people for a long time. They're like, oh, he's back on TV. Baldwin's back. I mean, if this means I don't have to do watch him do Trump anymore, that's kind of okay. Yeah, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. Save it. Save, Save yeah. it for, for big events. Save it for the, the four, you know, the four big ones. Uh, and this happened earlier in the week. I just uh, wanted to see if you guys had heard about it. It is a local story. I wanted to cover something. I love local. it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Local see corner. There's a yeah, local corner. Uh, the, you see there's a grocery store coming to downtown Utica? I did. Again, Where? The, uh, in the, the old Rite Aid building. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it is something called Street Corner. Uh, Street Corner. It's just like an... In, uh, I don't know. It says right here. Street Corner and Jimmy John's on the ground floor, and there's going to have apartments oh. upstairs. It's sort of like a traditional grocery items, produce, 
health and beauty products, deli cases, over-the-top medication, as well as a walk-in kind of beer like cave. 7-Eleven. Sounds, sounds a little more like a bodega. Like a yeah. bodega. Yeah. It sounds quite a bit like a bodega. <laughs> now, mind you, I, do, I mean that in a great way. because Yeah, I no, love, bodega's all the way I'm up. I'm all the way up on bodega. Nothing can stop me. Uh, yeah, Street yeah. Corner apparently has more than 40 franchises located across the nation, though, so if you want to know more about it, you can look up, I assume, Street Corner, which is the name of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Utica location will be fashioned as one of the company's Urban superettes or convenience store locations, which featured uh, tailored to the community specific needs, focus on grocery items, uh, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff in here. But if you have a take, you can dig in. I if we, do we have like, enough residents to support that kind of store? It's right like now? a chicken and egg thing, though, right? You've got, if you want people down there, you've got to have something exactly. that sells food. But- and you can't really go big. They're not going to put yeah. it like a price chopper right downtown or whatever kind of thing they'd want to do. So if it serves a need and if they're a little bit smaller and if they're a chain, they've got the infrastructure to start it. Whereas if you were an upstart business, you probably wouldn't be able to maintain it with what they have now. But these guys can probably ride a loss for I'm, two years I'm curious they to know build the scene. Their price, their margin is. That would uh, be very interesting. Because that's what I'm curious about. Is it overpriced? Or? This was a quote from one of the uh, owners, Christine Martin. Uh, In order for downtown to truly become residential, which is the goal for many people, you need to have the necessities and you need to be readily available and walkable. So there you go. There's your quote. All right. So there you go. Grocery store at downtown Utica. I was wondering if they were going to do that other half because I was down there by the Jimmy John's building when I was going to Mellow's and... Um, <laughs> No, but I really though nice. I was down there and I saw they had that whole second half and I was very curious what was going to go in there because it's very obviously being prepared for something. I was open hmm. shopping, shopping. What, what would you, you like to see? Yeah, Clothes or something? A clothing store. Like a nice clothing store. Would you go to you go to a clothing store down there? Maybe. You mean like would a department well, store? Well, I just did something store? else to do. Look around after I have coffee and stuff. I hear you. Because after I have coffee, we kind of walk around. And go. Well, what do we do next? Yeah. You know, if we have a character. Or I'm not saying it's not viable. I'm just curious so, about it. But no, I'm, seriously, I would like to have just places, even if there's just gift stores or I something. I think it's tough if you're not doing food. There's I a lot like of you, food down there. That's what I mean, though. I'm like, like it's. It is probably overstuffed with food to a certain extent, but I do think I understand it, the idea. But I get if why they go, do it. If you go and get food somewhere, you're not going to go walk the three other places that also sell food. I'm just thinking, how right. do you keep it going? Like, but like, what's yeah? What do you you can't but like you put a bookstore down there? You put like a you, what something else? though? I, I mean, you got to. used to Woolworths down there back in the day, and that was like a clothing store and everything. A yeah, boutique and mm-hmm. like. No, yeah. I'm not saying bring that place back. I'm just saying. Shopping. Yeah, I suppose. I, I guess you wonder what else you could want. Well, because I bring my son and I down there, we go get a coffee or something, and then we're like, it would be nice if I could just walk around and do some other things. Yeah. Just saying, people, think about it. No, no, I think you're spot on. I'm curious because I can't think of something right off top that I'm like, oh, this is what you do. But yeah, you're definitely but something. Right that you need we're missing some sort of something. Yeah. This is an outrageous nerd idea, but. Oh, gosh. Arcade. Huh. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking it's something that's interesting that draws people down that we don't have otherwise. Like, that's kind of a that's kind of a fringe thing to think of. I'm just thinking it's something. Just, huh. just like, spitballing oh, out loud. Good. Right? Like Downtown Arcade. Downtown Same's Arcade. Same downtown Arcade. Yeah. Dude, that's what yeah, you should even do. Like don't a, take it. No co- copyrights. Like, bring back the old laser tag and all that stuff. You really did, I never did laser tag. Did people ever pop for laser tag? I feel like they did it a bunch of times, but it never really worked. I don't know. I'm not against it. I'm, I'm just helping him out with his There idea. was a laser <laughs> tag at the Syracuse. <laughs> Maybe an escape room, though. Escape? No. Oh, I heard that's the... That's They're doing that at KO. That's yeah, true. I know. That's true. It's true. I mean, he was no, here last week. He can't do another one. I can't steal his one. idea. No, it's true. I know. But that well, would be fun if they had arcade one. Idea. He'll steal me arcade. It's true. We can trade that. Can you imagine how scary arcade Me and Kayla haunted arcade. Me and Joshua. Me and Joshua. Haunted arcade. If you're listening... Joshua, Sam's got call idea. me back. Uh, so you're learning something no, every week. Don't, don't tweet them. I went to the don't tweet. Me. Don't <laughs> I went tweet to them. the Carousel Mall when it was still called the Carousel Mall, and they had the laser tag thing in the basement, 
right? You know what I'm talking about? Like they nope. had it. <laughs> they did, and they, they did. laser tag in the basement to yeah. cast them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back that. in the day, they had like a I laser tag thing, and you could put the little, um, you know, the, the chest panel on. And I remember as a kid being really excited, but when I got in there, it was a bunch of like teenagers, <laughs> and they were mean to me. So <laughs> they like knocked me over and like <laughs> just shot me a bunch of times. It was not a lot of fun. So I feel like laser tag. I'm out on laser tag. But you are you in on laser tag over paintball, or are you taking paintball over laser, laser tag? I've actually never fully done like paintball i've been hit with paintballs by people in cars who were jerks but yeah. i've never <laughs> but i've never actually like been Wait, they out shot you out of a car with paintballs when i was a younger man shout out to sea bass <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a true deep unicast shout out to Seabass. true deep <laughs> shout out um i remember that kid i had uh i had a doomsday report but we can push it back till later on okay. as so. we always do uh let's get to this week's interview uh again prestigious second time ever member of the Uticast Five Timers Club. He is the current. Who's four- the other five timer? Yeah. Phil Farta. Oh, mm. no. You guys keep making me talk about Phil Farta every week. People ask me this question. <laughs> Free plugs. Hi, Phil. Um, no, yeah, uh, it was, you know, it's funny. I, I had really planned, and I told Joe this in the interview, I planned on having him on next week mm-hmm. after this, all the dust had settled. But I got so, like, caught up reading all sorts of stuff for the last couple of days that I just had to talk about to talk about it with somebody else. So mm-hmm. Joe is always, again, one of our Mount Rushmore guests here on the show. He's been here such a long time. He's been a good friend for a long time. He was happy to come over. And we had about 45 minutes conversation, talked about lots of different stuff, local politics, national politics. We got out there on some other stuff. Great conversation, uh, as always. So uh, here we go. Nice, deep interview with Joe Marino. We'll be back in just a moment. To it, Good. I like your uh, I like your you on the back of your phone. There is that a Proctor? Is it a Proctor you or is that it's a... Proctor Colors? It's uh, <laughs> Utica Hurricanes baseball for my son's trail. Nice. Team. Yeah. You know, I was going to actually bring it up at the end of our interview, but since we're since I just mentioned it, yeah, I, I said something to you on Twitter. You your son went as Dan Marino for Halloween. <laughs> he went as Chris Marino. Chris for Marino. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves the Dolphins because of Dan Marino. Yeah, I appreciate. And not a lot of people would be that self-aware to be like, this is funny. I'm going to let this go. Oh, <laughs> Some people would get like touchy about you it. You don't know how much I tried to talk him into just putting 13 on his back. <laughs> but he's six years old, or he was when he started liking the number yeah, six. Yeah. Just he w- I couldn't steer him away from the number six. Is he a Dolphins yeah. fan, really? He, I genuinely... Well, how'd yeah. that happen? Uh, again, you know, so my family is so... Yankee oriented, oh, that our football teams are all over the place. I got a brother who loves the Steelers, a brother who sense. loves the Giants, you know, so we're not like a big football family, but they are individually. So my father, yeah, yeah. you know, is a very, uh, you know, family centric guy. Dan Marino picked up a ball in, you know, the yeah. early 80s and he became a Dolphins <laughs> fan. He then, you know, threw it to my little, uh, my little son Christopher. <laughs> of my three boys, one's a Seahawks fan. Seahawks. Yep. One colors, by Makes the way. Sense. He loves Makes the sense. colors. Uh, the other's a Jets fan because of my father in law, and yep. now my son Christopher is a Dolphins fan because of my father. 
Well, for the most part, you got pretty lucky here. You didn't have to deal with any Bills fans, which would be really heartbreaking for these yeah. kids as they grow. Right. My sister didn't get her hooks into them. Right. She's a big Bills fan. Uh Joe Marino, fourth ward councilman. Uh, first off, I need to congratulate you. You have now tied Phil Farta. You have passed your good friend. Rindisi. Yeah, listen, I'm not as funny as Phil Farta, but I, in every walk of life, I am as funny or funnier than Anthony Brindisi. <laughs> and uh, I am honored, honestly, to join the Five Timers Club here. It's great. It's a very rare privilege, and I'm happy to have you on. And to be totally honest, from, from my side, you were actually on 19 weeks ago. Episode okay. 157, which is still pretty long time considering, but it's a relatively fast turnaround for us. Yeah. And the reason that I've been so, I was sort of adamant about it. In my own mind, I had kind of wanted you to bring you in next week, hoping that after tomorrow's election, which I hope everyone has already gone out and voted for by the time you listen to this week's episode. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I was hoping to wait till afterwards and sort of talk about everything, but I just... I have a lot on my mind about this election, and yeah. I wanted to clear it with you because I, I trust your opinion on a lot of these things. Well, I appreciate it. Look, I love coming in, and you know that. We always make time for each other, so that's that's the easy part. But you're right. There's a lot to talk about. So when there is, you know, it's uh, it's always great. Reach out. I'm glad to do it. So last uh, this weekend, I don't know if you happen to see this, on uh, Saturday Night Live, there was this funny skit that people were passing around. It was from this weekend, and it was basically just uh, a... And there's a fake political ad of Democrats feeling really good about this election, but being very clearly nervous and, like, sweating and, like, dropping their coffees and all sorts of wild right. things. It seems like there's a lot of positivity from the Democratic side, the left hand, wherever, wherever side you want to call it, about mm-hmm. this upcoming election. Should we be more concerned about the way, like, the way things turned out two years ago with the polling and what we know? Like, should we be comfortable with what we're seeing? Yeah, I really think you should. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, and, you know, the reason is is because of the natural landscape of politics. Mm-hmm. You know, contrarianism is always prevalent. Meaning, right. you know, if something's going one way, human nature tells us, let's go the other way just to see where it is. Like, the right. grass is always greener, I guess, is the good... Sure, sure. You know, so... You know, you had Barack Obama in office. I thought that he was doing a very successful job passing legislation against all odds in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. right? So um, getting bipartisan legislation yeah. passed. Uh, but, you know, human nature, and especially American nature, is, well, we had enough of that. Mm-hmm. So now let's go the other way. And then you have this juggernaut of the Trump, you know, kind of uh, solar system that takes over. And people... I, I really believe that they would have latched on to just about anything that was contrary yeah. at the time. Yeah. And that's where you got that two-year-ago kind of stretch. Well, I have a lot of folks who voted for Obama those uh, two years ago, or four years ago, and I'm sorry, six years ago and ten years ago now, right, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to understand how we got back to this direction. Like, how did we go from Obama to Trump? And I think, in my mind, it is sort of natural when you think about when, whenever something, like, for a lot of people who liked Obama, myself included, I voted mm-hmm. for him twice, and I was like, man, I can't believe we got this president that I'm excited about, and, you know, all these great things, you know, Affordable Care Act, and, and all his, like, legislation, his liberal progressive beliefs about, like, you know, LGBTQ, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. When that was going on, there are probably people who look around at the same time and go, what is happening to this country that I... I mean, so for as much progress as we maybe felt like we thought on one side, maybe there was that sort of backlash that we didn't pay attention to underneath for people who felt like this person didn't talk. I'm not justifying it, yeah. but it makes sense in my mind that that's kind of how it would happen. You know what I think... I, I think... Um, and this is just my opinion. Sure. What I, what I think happens to 
people in this country is they are in for a letdown no matter where they stand on an issue. Mm-hmm. So you read about Sweden and how progressive it is. Right. And in Amsterdam, they're riding bicycles everywhere and they're eco-friendly. And then you come here and you think, well, why aren't we that? Mm. And I think that they're naturally set up for a letdown because we are that. Yeah. We are. It's just that if you think that we're not also the Trumpers mm-hmm. of the world, then you're going to be yeah. disappointed mm-hmm. because it's America. It's not Sweden. We're a melting pot of everything. And I don't think that Trump created this mess. I think that he's just beating that drum. Sure. And people are going along with what they would have naturally done anyway. And you, it's whether you believe anything or not, whether you are a hardcore conservative yeah. Republican or a you know very progressive even socialist democrat yeah. one way or another however you fall on that spectrum the fact is you have a base here mm-hmm. because it's the united states of america and we were built and predicated yeah. off of that eclectic mix yeah. right so you know in small layman's terms if you think that this is a progressive country you're right just go make it that yeah. if you think that it's a hyper conservative right wing country you're right if we allow that to happen so that's the kind of thing that I think everybody kind of gets disturbed by is when a guy like Trump comes around and you go, well, geez, we were doing so great. Yeah. We were do we were we had a country that uh, other uh, you know progressive countries were proud of, and then all of a sudden you see this, you know, not to pigeonhole any segregation of yeah, population, sure. but the down south kind of you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Confederate flag hat wearing guy. Look, they want a country too. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if we all really legitimately work in a bipartisan effort. Mm. And that's what Anthony really is. That's what Anthony brings for me. I know I know him, and then we you know, we make jokes about it, but what Anthony brings to me is he can sit in a room with an NRA bunch mm. or a Planned Parenthood bunch, and those two groups are so far on the other sides of each spectrum. He could sit there and have a rational conversation. It just, are we going to elect, are we going to choose as a country to elect people that have that rational conversation in a purple sense, not a red sense or a blue sense, or not? And that's what I'm hopeful for this country. Because right now, just like a lot of us, it's not the most hopeful time in America. On both sides. Oh, no. And I, and I think you're totally right. And one of the things that I think about all the time, and you talk about the, the Sweden thing and these countries, these smaller countries, I think a lot of it is is simply, I try and be rational with this. I am a guy who grew up on the East Coast, grew up in New York, grew up in a family that was like Middle Eastern and Italian in central New York. Just by proxy, the fact that I live on this side of the country with this type of people and these people around me and this kind of weather doesn't mean... I'm probably going to think differently than somebody who lives in Arizona, who grew up from a different background, who sees different things. It's hard to, for a country this big with so many people, it's hard to find somebody who is all encompassing for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do think you've suddenly seen this almost feverish national interest in these, what would seemingly have been local elections 10 years ago. I think people realize now that if you want to see change that you can feel good about, you got to start at a local level, and that's what really I hope happens tomorrow and for the rest, you know, going forward. Somebody said it long before me, and I mean, much smarter than I am. But uh, they say all politics is local. Yeah, I mean, it really, really is. You know, I mean, look, where else but America? I'd like to see how Amsterdam does with three hundred million people, exactly, with a hundred and eighty million 
different views. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it, the size is so big. It's so grand. Right. So who is going to be that guy? And I don't know that we found him. I don't know that it was Obama. I don't know. You know that it's not Trump. I mean, you know, I, every time I try to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, I read his tweets and I get completely discouraged. I think it's hard for people of a certain age because we think of him as something else. Right. I just I yeah. can't help but think of him as the guy who used to show up at WrestleMania, as the guy who was in all these weird movies. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't. Yeah, yeah. I, no, that's one of my biggest. Because that's problems. who he is. Yeah. He's it, that guy. He is that guy. I mean, a lot of people said that about Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah. Because he was in the movies. And, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California, and an actual wrestler was the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> you know, those kind of things, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, and you want to. But, I mean, when you're constantly get your hand slapped back, it's very difficult. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm when when someone asked me what my feelings were when uh, Donald Trump got elected, uh, they said in one word. I said optimistic. Yeah. I'm hopeful that, you know, someone could go. Look, 10 years ago, an African-American gentleman was elected yeah. to office, the highest office in the land, mm-hmm. the highest office in the world, if you really think about it. Oh, yeah. And now a reality star <clears throat> was just elected to that yeah. because he's not a developer. To me, no, he's not. He's a, he's a caricature. Yeah. Of you know, there's a lot of developers that actually have a lot more money than mm-hmm. Donald Trump that weren't really prepared to sell themselves to the public the way they, yeah. you know. So we're finding ground somewhere. I believe that we still mm-hmm. have hope for this country because of the things, not in spite of the things, but because of the things that have happened in this national mm-hmm. political scene. Yeah. Um, I think that you'll see that, that I don't know that it'll be a blue wave or a red wave, and yeah. they like to you know again. Yeah. Everybody bifurcates everything. You know, is it okay that there's other people with other views besides super hyper liberal or super hyper conservative? Yeah. And that's where people like Anthony come in, and that's where the people that I elect come in. And I, when you talk to people, I mean, you probably hear that more than anything. I think that you get sort of a, a mix, right? I work with I work in education, right? Right. The younger kids. And the kids in college who I deal with for my grad school stuff, they tend to seem they tend to be more progressive than even someone my age, right? Yeah, I grew I'm I'm in my mid thirties, or I'm not mid thirties, my early thirties, I guess I'm dating myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also grew up with a father or a stepfather who was a Republican during the Reagan era, but sort of bounced back and forth, right? He he has sort of gone left over time. So I've tried to, in my mind at least, think I've had a relatively centrist point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for with like hot button issues, that always ends up being like I always end up going back to like the left on like like the big hot button issues that people. Yeah, end up... I tell people all the time, you know. I mean, I, a lot of things that I deal with don't come up because of national. I'm not a national politician, right. where I make national decisions. But people ask me what my party affiliation is, mm-hmm. and I tell them I'm a Democrat. I'm a mm-hmm. proud Democrat, and mm-hmm. I've been a Democrat my whole life. And that's because I believe in social issues. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I believe that you know a welfare system needs to be turned into. Uh, you know, a job for yeah, for some. just a handout machine. Right. right. Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. One, I, well, I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks that if you choose not to get a mm-hmm. job, we'll be there for you. I don't know that anyone, mm-hmm. I mean, not anyone that I've talked to. Yeah. But it's a system that's valuable. It's a system that the government should provide to working families that are hard on their luck trying to get down. I mean, the biggest social circumstance that we've ever had was when Roosevelt put in the New Deal. Mm. I mean, he put millions of people back to work with government projects. Mm. Now, if he didn't do that, we may not have, never have gotten out of the Depression, or we may have been taken over by another country. Don't forget, we had a world war after that. Yeah. If we weren't really prepared mm. for that kind of war with people back to work and in factories, 
we may be speaking German right now. You know, so um, that is the kind of thing. That centrist view is uh, it's valuable, but to say that the government has no role, right? I think that I think that that personally for me mm-hmm. is irresponsible. Okay. I think that it's yeah. irresponsible for people to believe that the government has no role, laissez-faire, you right. know, just get going. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot to be said about both ends, but oh, oh no! Wait a second. Oh, I just got a text message from your good friend Anthony Brindisi inviting uh, me to his election night watch party, so I'm going to have to respond to him now. I feel oh, like. please, he by just, all means. He didn't know you were coming in, so he probably, oh. maybe he saw you on here and he's trying to... T- please <laughs> tell him that I will be there and I'll go in five different times <laughs> for every time that I've been on the Uticast. All right. I'm going to send him the picture, too, of you when I send that back to him. Yeah, this is great radio as I just troll the future congressman here. That's right. That's right. No, that's right. No, this is a good chat, though. You know, and more people have these kind of conversations. And I think that, you know, I think the country is moving in the right direction because of these things, right? I mean, uh, but we do have to pay attention. If you drop the ball, if you, like, for instance, let's segue it in, if you don't mind, to tomorrow. You're good, because I was going to get there. I want to get to there, so very beautiful. If you don't go vote, then all of the things that you talk about over a beer or over a cup of coffee with your friends, all the things that you'd like to have change, and it leads back to that all politics is local, if you don't go to your election district and your polling site and go pull a lever, it will be disastrous. And I can give you an example. Myself, I ran in a primary last year to win my council seat, right? So there was a another Democrat who felt uh, that there was some alternative ideas that he'd like to share and, you know... Um, in my election, there was 400 voters. I won by 10%. Now, if Anthony wins by 10%, tomorrow it'll be a landslide. Oh, yeah. So 10% is a decent range. But 400 voters, that was 40 human beings. 40 human beings. 40 people were the reason that I got to keep doing what I was doing because it was a neighborhood race. It was the only race on the ballot. Who's going to... Yeah, I'm surprised that 400 people came out to vote for just that one particular race, a council seat. So I was very honored that I, I, you know, I was able to go back and... You had a good uh, groundswell of support, though, I feel like. There's a lot of local people, people who supported you. People have been very, that. very, very good to me. Um, but again, you know, in a neighborhood, 200 people, you know, can go one way or another any day of the week. And the person that I ran against was part of, like, an institutional democratic uh, kind of base. I mean, he was he's the par- you know party chairman, and I was glad to step up and speak out against my party. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the particular... Uh, the mayor now is a, is a Democrat right now and I don't know that he had any aspirations of me moving <laughs> exactly. forward so he put up a, a strong effort yeah. you know the mayor to take me out mm. which is fine it's fair it's the democratic way yeah. um, but the mayor couldn't even provide enough support to take me out and that is because of the privilege mm. that I've had from the people that are in my district now tomorrow we're anticipating an 800 vote separation Oh, he's fine. No, he's wet. Is a problem. My cat snuck into the studio as always. Charlie, the studio cat. That's Charlie, <laughs> Charlie's a Charlie's a good boy. Yeah, he's um, a good boy. But tomorrow, now, if you don't go and vote, there's an 800 human being swing that we're anticipating. Yeah. I mean, that is tight when you're talking about 400,000 people in the electric electorate. 800 could separate a congressional seat. That's for me. That's mind numbing. I go back to uh, a couple months ago, I had Brianna Moriarty on, and she was running for school board. And mm-hmm. I want to say that that election, we thought she won by one vote, and then yeah. there was a whole thing that changed. But yeah. I think to myself, even in hindsight, like, man, if I had promoted this show one more time, one more tweet, 
one more message on Facebook, maybe it would have swayed one more person. In an election, local elections, it makes such a big difference. And I am glad to see so many people talking about it. If nothing yeah. else, it is the overarching conversation everywhere I've gone. And again, I work in education, so that kind of makes sense. But even out in public, I hear a lot of conversation about it. Yeah, it's a big race. I mean, this one in particular, but... Uh... But you really do. You have to go and vote. Yeah. I mean, when you go and vote, like today, to give you a little inside information, mm. what we do leading up to an election. Right now, you know, we're, we've worked for two years. In, our, in Anthony's particular case, he's worked for a year and a half solid on running this election. Now it's boiled down to about 24 hours. Right now, pretty much everybody knows what they're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're, they've made yeah. their mind for up the most as part, to what yeah. they're going to do. But you constantly keep on calling these people. And when we see our list as politicians, which I hate that word, but as yeah. elected officials, when we see our list, we know who is generally going to go and vote because we see their voting record, not who they voted for, naturally. But right. we get a list that says alphabetically who they are, where they live, what their phone number is if they've provided one. And then the last section is when they voted. And it gives you in an Excel spreadsheet, GE 16, General yeah. Election 16, Primary 14. It tells you. And what elected officials normally do because they don't want to waste their time on someone that's not going to vote is during these time of years, or these, this time of year, they'll call the people that are going to be voting 75-plus percent of the time. And those are the people they contact. Those are the people that get the mailers. Those are the people that get phone calls. And when you get a phone call, preemptive phone call from your elected official, now you're forcing them to your home in one way or another, whether it's by a call or by a knock on the door. Now, for me, I do the same. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well because I want to make sure that the means to my end is getting in the office. And, uh, but the idea is I would never ever when people call me i don't say hey did you vote last election are you <laughs> yeah. registered as a vote i represent everyone but around this time when you want a candidate to answer to you yeah. voting is the best way to do it because it forces them to your door in the future oh yeah if you vote once every 10 years chances are no one's going to call you because they don't know they don't know to call you you know so that's why it's really really important in more ways than you can imagine i want to stay on this particular midterm election for just a minute and sure uh, for your, you know, you've known Anthony going way back. I don't even know exactly how long you guys. Twenty have plus years. Yeah, so you've known him way, way back. Mm -hmm. And I told him a couple weeks ago he was on that. Even from the first time he was on the show to the last time he was on the show, I feel like he seems more ready now than he ever was. Mm -hmm. Knowing him the way you know him, how do you feel like? Where do you think his head is right now? Is he ready to take that next step? Is he like he feels like he's there? Yeah, I mean, as an outsider, kind of, because I'm, you know, I don't want to be a surrogate for his sure, campaign, right, right. But, but as a friend, um, you know, what we generally try to do is we try not to talk about politics, believe it or not, when That's we go out to dinner. I mean, we, you know, we're with our wives, and they're kind of tired of hearing about it, and <laughs> we don't talk about it. But when, when we're having like a lunch together, when we try yeah. to sneak out, um, I think that he's never been more prepared for anything in his life. And I could tell you, going back to the time when he's taken his bar exam. He went to um, he he went to and back some you know pretty heavy decisions when he was going to law school and things like that. So he <clears throat> when he was his conviction was solid that he was yeah. finally going to go finally going to take his yeah. bar exam. You didn't see him for six months during his bar exam prep. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't even talk to him. He lived in Albany, stayed in Albany, didn't even you know come home for a weekend at a time sometimes. Um, so. Once his conviction is sound, and I envy that of him, 
because sometimes I'll get a little lazy. Oh yeah, and you know, and he's not. <laughs> I know how that goes, brother. You know, I mean, so you know, but he doesn't seem to have that happen, no. which is why. <clears throat> To the last election cycle, when Kim Myers ran as yep. a Democrat and mm. uh, Claudia Tenney beat yeah. her by about 15,000 votes. 16% or... Yeah, yeah right, right. Sorry. I think I said yeah, about 10%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. about 15,000 votes or so. Yeah. Um, when that happened, I mean, you can imagine everyone was just crushing Anthony. you got to run. you got to... He wasn't ready. It wasn't his... Yeah. But, you know, and I always told people, they're like, oh, you got to talk to him for me. When you guys are having tacos, just, just talk to him. Yeah. I go, it doesn't work like that. With this guy... He is either ready or he's not. And if he's ready, he's going to work a 1,000 miles an hour and go towards it. And that's what he did. He didn't run last election. And I don't know that he would have been valuable to the public that he represented, even if he won. And I think that he felt that as well. So he said, how can I best serve the public that I'm interested in? It's in the New York State Assembly right now. I'm sorry. You know, I know they want me to run. And, you know, kind of with me as well, when he left his seat, everyone was just burying me with phone calls that I have to run for the Assembly. I have to. You, Joe, you got to run. I mean, you know. But meanwhile, we've got, you know, there's very good qualified people running currently. I mean, Marion Buttonshine's a, you know, great She girl. was on a few weeks ago. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I said it before when I was working at MV. I was a temp over there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did not give me the time of day because yeah. I was a temp. Marion was one of the first people who I worked under who was like, hey, come on to my office. Have a yeah. seat. What's your name? Who are you? Like, talk to me. Just talk to me like a normal human being, which surprisingly a lot of my other bosses during my temp time were not willing to do. And I always think about her in that way because she's just a, got a good heart. Now, look, at I support her 100%. I think she'll be wonderful. But, you know, again, before anyone even sure. knew that she was even considering it. So, again, not to disparage her. Which of course. Everybody came to me because it's a natural progression, right? I mean, they're like, "Oh, Joe, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're out there, you're doing a lot of things. You and Anthony know each other so well. You must have some insight on how to do this job. You've got to run." My heart, the people of Rome and the people of Frankfurt and, and the people of New Hartford and Whitestown and the, or not New Hartford, sorry, Whitestown, they don't deserve some disingenuous politician knocking on their door saying that I care about right. things in their neighborhood when I don't know them, right? So Anthony didn't want to be disingenuous and say, look, you know, I don't know that much about Cortland. I don't know that much about Broome County, but I'm going to go give it a shot. He, he wasn't going to do that. And that's why when you say, you know, the question is, how does he look to me? He looks like his conviction mm-hmm. is 100% solid as a rock. And I think that that's why he's going to win. I think people notice that. He, he, it felt like the last time I saw him, it just felt like he was he was at a different place. He you won't like see ready. him. You won't see him second guessing. If he's going, he's going, and uh, and this time he's going. Let me ask you this question, and I'm, I don't know how much of this you could have expected because you know again you're just we're just talking about your, our friend Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Did you expect the advertisements to get so kind of brutal on both on back and forth? I kind of did, but I was hoping it wouldn't. We kind of did. I mean, look, look, no one's perfect, right? I mean, I. I, I supported Anthony yesterday on Twitter, and somebody said, uh, aren't you the guy that argued balls and strikes with an umpire? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm thinking to myself, really, is that what you're resorting to? Is, you know, um, you know, my kid's game that someone took a video of me, you know, at and sent it to the media, and it was a little... But that's the kind of thing that, that I think people in general are just tired of. Mm. You know, but yeah, we expected it. We didn't know how deep that they would get. Yeah. You know, in terms of like digging through trash and yeah, uh, you know, an odd, you know, bizarre behavior. I really think this is where it was going though, and not just with him specifically. We expected and it. I think it feels like if you look at, you know, I sometimes will go to like look at the different like ads that are all over the country just for fun. And there again, 
some of the stuff out there is pretty wild, the way people are campaigning. I've never seen campaigns like this, and maybe I just wasn't paying as, as much attention eight years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was, I was younger. It feels different than it did even four or six years ago now. Yeah, I know. I just went through like a whole 10-minute dissertation as to why we yeah. should have hope as a country, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, let me retract a part of it in that... You're right. I mean, there's there's definitely a you know a, a delineation yeah between separate entities of the country, and that's mm. you know that's too bad. But uh, look, people fear monger, right? I mean, people. Yeah. I mean, I that's, think it's natural though to a certain extent. It's not. It's not in right, general. But sometimes it is. You know what I mean, like yeah, thousands year old yeah. practice to fear monger, yeah. right? I mean, we've done it in the streets of Jerusalem. Yeah. Done it in the uh, you know the streets of Egypt. I mean, fear mongering mm. is a tactic. Mm. You just hope that you know you'd have. Uh, you know your your political leaders mm-hmm. and your government leaders to be a little bit above that fray, but you find that they're not. But I mean, generally speaking, most people don't don't get elected. I mean, I don't run my campaigns that way. I've got I've had a lot of things that people, you know, and you know, find that about me uh, going forward. And you know, as I advance my career, I run for me, and I think Anthony ran for himself. He didn't run against what Claudia did. He had to tell people, here's some things that she did and I will not yeah. do. I'll do them differently. I mean, you have to do yeah. that, right? You have to separate yourself. Of course. But, um, you know, the fear-mongering, the name-calling, the childishness, to bring up family members, to bring up, you know, all that stuff. That's, uh, you know, well, run against Anthony. It's something I talked about with him actually as well. You notice a lot of these ads have no names on them. No, this is endorsed by Anthony yeah. Dissy. No, this is endorsed by Claudia Tenney. It just, like, I don't know who's putting it up. I don't know if it's Citizens United. I don't know if it's just yeah. any sort of potential whoever. But it's that's what's sort of scary to me. It's like, who are all these outside forces? Who are, well, in fairness to both candidates, yeah. to both, they can't control those. Yeah. It's crazy, though. You it know, if you, let's say you're running yeah. for any office, and I choose to put on a commercial on your yeah. behalf, and I say, Sam's the greatest, and by the way, XYZ is a you know murderer yeah. and, you know... Yeah, they have that no control seems... over that. So that's why, you know, and people don't normally pay attention, you know, especially yeah. when you're a little younger, even as a voter and a little younger, yeah. you really got to watch out for that. Yeah. I'm Anthony Brindisi and I approve this message. Yeah, the fine print. You really yeah. do, you know. It's weird, um, man. But yeah, you can't you can't control that. And these these agencies, I mean, they some of them are hardcore. It seems like it. I just I don't know. I it doesn't make me feel great, but it does make me think that this all sort of feels like that time... I, I don't know. I, I feel like we will work our way through this. I don't feel like this is the future of political discourse. I, I feel do. like it's a turning point, but we're definitely... That's what I was talking about. I we're going to work moment. our way. It is a moment. feels like a moment. It is a moment, but I think it's a wake-up call for mm. a lot of people, too. A, a lot of people on both sides. Yeah. To say, you know what? I mean, you know, this is... It's gotta gotta stop a little bit. I mean, you know, a lot of people will say, I like Trump, I like his policies, but he sounds like a, like a crazy person. Well... Yeah. That's not okay. I've been saying for about a year and a half now, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Mm-hmm. If I could go back in time, the Bills should have just let them, they should have let him buy the team, and it would have got him into the oh, NFL. Oh, right, right, and right. And then he could have owned the Bills, I know. and then I could have at least laughed <laughs> at his tweets when he was making fun of the Bills, because at yeah. least I would have been, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. He, if he wasn't genuinely affecting the world that we live in. Policy, <laughs> yeah. right? Policy, that's what scares yeah, me, Yeah, right? I mean, you like, know, I, look, I, I'm a devout Catholic. Yeah, yeah, You know, in the sense of, I don't, you know, let me take devout back, right? Sure. Just so I'm accurate here. I go to church as early and as often as I could. I tell my children about my Catholicism. Hmm. However, with that being said, I also understand that there's scientific evidence that leads me in certain directions sure. that may be contra- contrary to 
some of the things. Right. Like, for instance, and just so people yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure there wasn't a person named Moses who was 500 years old right. actually splitting a sea. Yes. Right? Correct. Yeah. There was, uh, you know, obviously Moses, you know, and he, uh, he went and freed the slaves of Egypt. And, sure. And you know, I believe in the story, but sometimes a little bit of the, of the yeah. conjecture of it. Symbolism. A lot of that. I feel like a lot of that was growing up is symbolism, right? right? But I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in the in the story and the analogy that that it presents. So, you know, but with this, you know, in climate change and and things with scientific evidence behind them, and to say that dinosaurs didn't exist, I don't mind. You know, but like you say, I don't mind if my and I I steal this from Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't mind if someone doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. In something, if they don't believe in climate change, they don't believe that the dinosaurs existed. Uh, you know, that's fine. Just don't do it from Washington D.C. Yeah. Don't be the guy that doesn't believe in the environment and set my policies. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions, to their own facts, even if they choose. You know, the, the saying is, "You're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own yeah. facts." But I don't even mind that. But when you're setting policies yeah. and you have just such denial. Of certain things that are factually and scientifically accurate, now you're rolling back EPA regulations because you don't yeah. believe it, and now you're allowing yeah. you know spillage and dumpage in the coal industry mm. to take over what we would normally have got. Because if you if you let coal and carbon emissions into the air, I think people forget that the Earth still spins. <laughs> so you know if it if it releases above Virginia, it doesn't mean that it's not going to go. Above a country with high, you know, regulations and yeah. in, in that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, th- those kind of things are, are a little troublesome. I think sometimes the perspective I always had growing up is that like what we do is we like if you plant a tree today, the tree doesn't grow overnight. That tree is not for you. That tree is for your kid. Right. 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 We don't tend to govern that way all the time. I was like, we're doing something that is maybe not going to do something today, but for the future it will be good. I don't necessarily... That's what, sort of, I think, where you see that disconnect with the young folks. But that's sort of what you want to say. Like, are we building towards something? Do we think about the future? Or are we just living in this moment and hoping to get through the next day? And that's what concerns me sometimes, too. Well, I mean, you know, again, that goes back to term limits, terms, you know. Yeah. Are, and again, you know, I hate to keep on pumping Anthony, but it's true. I mean, yeah. and it's factually accurate. The, the, there's here's a guy who doesn't he doesn't need to be a politician to have a successful life. Correct. So if he is not uh, elected into office, he's not terrified of that prospect. He, you know, I mean, he's obviously committed. He loves every bit of it. But when you're only running, when you're constantly terrified to lose your position, you're now not even doing what you believe. You're doing what you think other people believe, and then you're pandering. So. Everybody, you know, that, that's why they say NASA's budget. You know, again, going back to the science uh, yeah. in me. People will not spend money on NASA because you don't see the fruits <laughs> of that labor in a two-year election cycle. Exactly. And that's a sin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a shame, in fact. I mean, there's pretty fun, if you ever look into it, there's some pretty fun inventions that came yeah. out of NASA that have nothing to do with space. <laughs> right? The microwave. The slinky? Sorry. I mean, I know it's not super inventive, but I love the slinky. It's true, though, and it's just like, you know, I'm not saying that we should be colonizing Mars today, but we do need to start thinking about what else is out there in the world. Again, we used to, 
aim higher than we do now, I feel like. Somewhere along the way, we don't aim as high as we once did as a, yeah. as a group of people, as a country, as a planet, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't feel we like we need a long-term vision. I mean, you know, there's a, there's another whole episode into the, you know, into the, <laughs> the NASA budget. Vision. But you need a long-term vision. And politicians, you know who was like that as well on, on, a, on a Republican side? It was Richard Hanna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like that. He's seen a long-term vision. He's seen that policymakers weren't meant to be there for life. He's seen that if you go and speak your conscience and even buck the system, again, me, you know, with this, you know, the Democrats uh, locally who don't mm. necessarily like a young guy coming up and yeah. encroaching on their turf, and I frankly don't care. Mm. Um, That's the way you got to be, though. Right. I mean, you know, again... <laughs> they, no one's going to care for you. You have to right. do it yourself. Yeah, no one will care as much as you do, so... Yeah. Um, you know, Hannah was like that in, in the same sense. He's like, look, I know that this is the Republican stance, but it's not mine. I share views of the Republican Party, but not all of them. And if you don't like it, you know, it's too bad. I'm the same. You know, I, I'm willing to stand up against my party. I work very well with Tony Piscini. I work very well with Joe Griffel. Um, you know, you've seen people in our in the Utica Democratic Party fight with them publicly. I mean, I don't know that that's very pro- uh, progressive of them. I think that's actually a great point because... We've talked about this a lot, Anthony and I, in the past, and I've talked about a lot of people. When you are, are in a local election, because you do tend to know these people on a different level, I don't know if party means quite as much, right? Like, I've I voted for Republicans locally, but not nationally, because the Republicans I've known were people I knew. And I was like, okay, I although I don't necessarily vote Republican, I trust that you are the kind of person who will do the right thing because of what I know about you. Sure. So you can make those decisions. I feel like I noticed that a lot with with you and Anthony and uh, and Anthony Pacenti and a lot of those folks. I don't I don't know if I see Claudia around as often. I'm not looking for her as often, I suppose. But I think that's been a national concern. I feel like that's why she's not getting. It seems like the yeah. endorsement of like Republicans historically who were here, right, or people who may have promoted her in the past. So yeah, I mean, but again, that's the kind of thing that you like for me. I go to a lot of events, yeah. right? And I'm only a, a council person. Sure. But I, I, I'm invited to a lot of events for a lot of different groups. This weekend, in fact, alone, I was at the NAACP Freedom Fund Dinner. Very nice. I was at the Sam Rebelada yeah. Prayer Breakfast this morning. I was uh, Friday night. I was at the Abraham House Gala. Um, yeah, that's right. There were, there were several events. Uh, for me, do I need to be there? Do these people need me there? Of course not. Yeah. But they've asked because, you know, people like to have... Uh, you know, access to people. They like to communicate with their government officials. They like to see that they're out talking to the public and, in, you know, maybe not such a formal setting. And, right. You know, and who am I to refuse someone? I cho- Like I've told you in the past, I've chosen this life. And no one forced me to run for office. So I say yes. The government officials that, that hide from these events, that don't want to talk in public, that don't want to answer to the people that have elected them, you know, I think that that's inappropriate. I think it's unfair to the people that pay their salary, frankly. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily see Claudia uh, in a lot of places either. I don't see her. You know, I, I really looking. don't. No, I don't. I mean, you know, and when you go around only in, you know, I go to these events every year. I don't yeah. go on election years only. When you go, and Anthony does the same. I could speak for him because I mm. literally drive with him on yeah. most occasions. Um, when you go only on election time. It, it you're not you're not a leader you're an opportunist in that yeah. case right you're just looking for a vote and again it all boils down to can you be independent in your voice I don't agree with everybody on everything I mean if you I, I work well with Tony I don't agree with a lot of what he says he doesn't agree with everything that I've done in the city but that doesn't mean that we can't share a common goal and work our way towards the middle and that's what was so good about his and I relationship Griffo's and I relationship I mean it's 
it's uh, it's better for everyone. I don't remember who I was listening to talk about as an older politician, like a or a journalist from a different time who was talking about in the old times in politics, you go in with this idea that's like we're not going to be able to get. Each side would say we're probably not going to be able to get everything we want, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, we'll get something and we'll walk away feeling like we won. And I hope that we could somewhere. Maybe, again, locally seems to be a place where that can still sort of foster, where you can yeah. still have that happen locally. I don't know when we'll get back to that place nationally, because now on a national level, it seems like it's almost, we either get everything or nothing. 100% and, right. and And, and I, I don't know how you go back. I don't know. Elect what... people like Anthony Brindisi. That's a great answer. All over the country. <laughs> yeah. Elect people like him, and there will be hands across every aisle that you can imagine. Mm. If you are going to stick to party politics with blinders on, Mm. you'll never get a country that is going to be cohesive and work together. Mm. Elect people like Anthony Brindisi as early and as often as possible. Uh, Joe, it's always a pleasure to have you here. I know I I had you on a short time limit. I know you told me you could take as much time as you want. Yeah, it's my meeting. I'm professional. I like to keep time. You are professional. I do have a couple quick lightning round questions for you if you don't love them. No, these are my favorite. All right, very good. Uh, Joe Marino, 4th Ward Councilman. By the way, before I ask, just... When are you? You're not up for election. Two more years. Uh, next year is election year. Next year. Yep. You uh, anything on your mind about when coming in the future? Or? Uh, you know we're giving it some heavy thought. I can tell you this directly. Um, I'm not running for my council seat. Not running for your council seat. I'm not, and the reason is because I was elected under the premise that I have eight years to accomplish some goals in East Utica, mm. and I, you know, I'm really, really, really honored to say that the problems that existed when I was elected. The major problems we had a few. I mean, yeah. but and I'll tell you them. But you know, so your listening yeah, audience sure, yeah. knows they're not. You know, they're not massive global problems. We've done some global things. Like I've, I passed the largest infrastructure project in the history of the city of Utica a, a few years ago. Just you know, myself, you yeah. know, and uh, you know, throwing out numbers. So that I'm very proud of. But what I got elected for was to handle neighborhood issues, to lessen the crime, lessen the car break-ins, which are impossible to eradicate, yeah. but. You know, so we had a very big speeding problem on Albany Hill. It was a massive issue. We had uh, CWSI was operating um, their garbage facility on Bell Ave in um, in a neighborhood. We moved them. They are now happy. The neighborhood is now happy. That issue was a decade-old problem. Uh, I'm really, really proud of that one. I'm proud of the, the Mancuso family for, for being so uh, willing to work with me on moving. And uh, I'm proud of that neighborhood for giving me the, you know, couple of years that it took even after I got elected. Um uh, we're working on the parks and getting some, you know, new amenities for the for them. We worked on that, and now recently, one the last biggest piece of the eight year puzzle that I, you know, I got elected on was uh, a neighborhood eyesore on Eagle and Mohawk, where mm-hmm. you see now that there were squatters. There was there's these yeah, yeah. three white houses on Eagle and Mohawk mm-hmm. Street. I finally got this uh, development company to commit to demolishing them while they market that property for nice. further use. Um, so those things. People said, look, these are problems. I need you to work mm-hmm. on them. Right? So when you see me out in the city, I always take care of my neighborhood first, the city second, and any pet projects third. Mm-hmm. So those things, people gave me eight years to accomplish them. I accomplished them. Now uh, I refuse to be- go beyond anything that the public voted on, and the public voted on an eight-year term. Yeah. And I am there for eight years, so I refuse mm-hmm. to run for my uh, uh, this fourth ward council seat again. I won't be doing that. And, uh, you know, we're talking with friends and family as to what 
I see. We're going to do in the future. Hmm. Yeah. Good to know. Good, good talks. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let me get these lightning round questions in. Uh, Joe Marino, current fourth ward councilman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the worst job you ever had growing up? Oh, man. I could tell you this. Uh, the worst job I ever had growing up, I was a dishwasher at Thornberry's restaurant. Ooh, dishwasher, yeah, it's a tough one. And it wasn't that I was a dishwasher yeah. why it was the worst job. I didn't mind that. It I was, like it. I had really no direction, so I'm going to blame the managerial staff here now. I sure, apologize absolutely. for pawning this up. <laughs> but they had this wedding soup, and I'll never forget this. They had wedding soup in a giant, you know, crock pot or giant pot. And I didn't know where to put it, and it looked all biodegradable to me. Mm. So I couldn't wash the pan with all this soup there. So I dumped it outside the door, and uh, (laughs) it was right next to the owner's car. And they didn't like that very much. And uh, I was asked not to go back the next day uh, for for my sake. So uh, that was the worst job I've ever had. I was there for about a week, and uh, washing dishes... Wrinkly hands. It was awful. It's, I worked in enough restaurants to know that, that that job in the back, washing dishes, is it's tougher work than it, people give it credit for. And it's it probably the least respected job in the kitchen. Like, even the waiters and the other staff will yell at the at the. You want to shut a restaurant down? Yeah. Fire the dishwashers. Oh, I've seen that happen on nights where... Cook is not as important as the dishwasher, I promise you. No, it's true. And what's I funny about you. it is when someone gets fired from the line <laughs> in the back, I've seen this happen... The, the scramble for somebody to say like they can't work in the back and it's mm-hmm. like someone's got to go back there and do those dishes and nobody wants to do right it. i give them more credit I've than seen, i can possibly give anyone to give credit though works through i won't say the name of the restaurant but the guy i saw who had to do this when i was working there uh he was the actual owner and he stepped up and did it and i was like you know what that's good that's good that you stepped up and did the thing because yeah. you made it happen there's an old accounting term uh and it's called chief cook and bottle washer yeah. and uh, you know <laughs> So when you do everything, uh, that's good of that owner. But yeah, I say um, the people at Thornberry's were amazing. They oh, treated yeah. me uh, immaculate. And I say the name because it's no longer in existence. So yeah, that's uh, okay. I could say. But the family was great. The food was excellent. And uh, but yeah, I, I uh, Thornberry's. Yeah. It was I, where the Lotus Garden is now behind the yeah. stand. Yeah. You know what I'm confusing it was? This is kind of a fringe one. Is Thurston's? That's something different. That was out in the middle. Right, yeah, that yeah. Was the bowling alley that was also a restaurant that also had a bar in it when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's gone now. Um, all right, what was the most embarrassing phase you went through in your lifetime? Either fashion sense, clothing style, hairstyle. Like, I had the frosted tips for a while. Maybe you didn't do that. But. Yeah, I'm going I'm <laughs> to take you way back into 1985, 86 for this one, but... Um, my wife and I and my kids were looking at it because now we're getting to the point where my kids can recognize <laughs> oh, how they yeah. look like one of yep. us and, you know, look at me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And you can, uh, but when I was uh, six and seven years old, I had a rat tail. Yes! Rat tail. Oh, yeah. But it was all the rage. I it mean, was, now looking was... back at it, it was terrible. <laughs> um, but when I was seven, I was I was high-fiving everybody. I'm I'll tell you right think... now. Who would have had the rat? T- would it have been like a Bosworth? Like Brian Bosworth had the rat? Yeah, trying Bos- to think Bos- yeah the Bos had a rat tail. That's <laughs> exactly think, right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what would have inspired you. Because yeah. I remember I had the frosted tips, which was for my generation, that was something that we all look back on. We're like, mm, I made a mistake with that one. And yeah. I think it was because InSync was very popular. And all the girls Justin Timberlake and those Justin guys. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. I was like, well, if they can do it. Yeah. I could, I didn't look the same on me. Yeah, we know. had no. That's it. I can picture you with them though, and I'll tell you right now, it doesn't look bad in my head. Well, the braces and the big glasses and the button—it was a different time. I'd have yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't uh, worry. It was. It was fine. What's one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Oh, goodness. Uh, if I'm being sincere and honest, 
have a touch less of a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I do I swear to God, man, I work in education now. Yeah. Some of these students and I'm not I'm not ragging on kids. I no, love no, working no, with yeah. kids. It's you part think of my you job. know everything sometimes. They just pick odd hills to die on. Yeah. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Like there are a lot of things that annoy me that go on from a day to day basis that I just and just I sort of have to move past it because I got other things going on. Yeah. But I've seen like kids die on weird hills over <laughs> it just happens. Yeah, I'm so grateful for my wife in that she kind of brought me yeah. back down to earth mm-hmm. when my wife and I have been together since I was 17 years mm-hmm. old. She was 16. and um, You know, that is... Uh, or I was 18, she was 17. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, I... I look, I, I know that I'm an intelligent guy. I know sure. that, right? But not arrogantly so, where I know that I don't know everything. You worked hard, though. You, I, I, I yeah. hope so, you know, and I hope that um, I present now the idea that I know that I don't know everything. I know that there's a lot of people that are a lot yeah. smarter than me. It just so happens, though, that... Uh, when I was, uh, you know, between 14 and 18, I don't know that Aristotle could have picked an intellectual <laughs> fight with me because I thought that I knew everything. Oh, yeah. You know? was, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's something that I would tell myself. Relax, bud. You're not as smart as you think you are. And uh, just to get away from the politics before we close up, give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, again, we always talk about this, but I'm a Netflix guy, and mm-hmm. my guilty pleasure right now is uh, Making a Murderer Part 2. Someone else just told me that this week. I don't know if some last week, week before, but someone yeah. else said it was pretty good. Four episodes deep. I mean, I was so invested in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me. I'll, I'll leave you with this. Free Stephen Avery. Free Stephen Avery. I'm Free Stephen Avery, now. man. He is innocent. You watch documentaries at all on Netflix? That's all I really watch. I mean, I'm very rarely do I watch a show, so I yeah. have Curiosity Stream. I don't know if you have that. No, I don't know that one. It's like a science documentary kind huh. of a Netflix. Oh, okay, I have to look that um, up. Yeah, like... Uh, it's, what was it called again? Curiosity Stream. It's Curiosity. like $2.99 a month. It's exactly like Netflix, hmm. only it's, uh, you know, there's five yeah. categories instead of action, you know, comedy right, and right. so on. There's history, civilization, uh, you know, nature, nice. and, you know, so the categories. So I'm a big documentary guy. I just watched this, uh, I've been watching this 90s documentary that you didn't see. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, i got to say, not to get into the politics thing again before we leave, but the Clinton episode was very fascinating. What a mm. different time for politics in, like, 94, how things changed in those years, in like, the early sure. 90s. What a wild, that was a good episode. Watch that one, folks. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I haven't seen it. I'm more of an 80s guy. Every 80, time I, you know... That one's on the list. 70s and 80s are both on the list. I just haven't gotten that one. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they are both actually on Netflix. Yeah, If yeah, you yeah. have Netflix, yeah. So oh, they're yeah. on CNN and Demand, if you have... Uh, you know, cable, but... I'm a Netflix man myself. I'm a Netflix guy, yeah. So, uh, no, big documentary guy. Joey, thank you for coming in tonight. You've made me feel a lot better. I always appreciate it. Newest member of the Five Timers Club. It's an absolute Sam, honor. my honor. It's all mine. And, again, I'll leave you with a couple of things. I hope that when you listen to this, you voted. I hope, certainly, that you voted for Anthony. And we can now call him the newest congressperson. But I will tell you this. I will always, always be ahead of him. <laughs> in the Uticast Club. And I'll never let him forget it. Thank you very much, Sam. (laughs) Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, folks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment.
gonna do. I'm gonna do. I don't know. Is that me? Is that supposed to be an impression of me? Do it again. Give me a. Give me. It's my show. Do it more. Everybody. Can you get an impression of me when I'm not around? You do the same voice. No. I don't know your voice. I don't know if I got any easily. I don't think I can't think of a. Hey there, folks. I can't. I'll take. I'll take a turn of phrase or something instead and use it myself. Look, spot the lie. Spot. You were saying spot the lie, and I'm saying it's everybody. I like spot the lie. I do stuff like that, but I don't have like a voice. I feel like I I don't do people's voices very well. I'll just change my attitude. I'm not a great voice guy. Mm. I can do some random voices, but I feel like they're all kind of the same. I can't do other people's voice. Like, I can do a voice that's like some its own thing, but I can't mimic a character or a person I know very well. You know what I can do? I can do a lot of SNL parody voices of famous people. I'm not doing Donald Trump. I'm doing somebody else doing Donald Trump. I'm not doing David (laughs) Lynch. I'm doing somebody doing, well... David Lynch, I'm doing David Lynch doing David Lynch. But that's mm-hmm. different. That's very meta. Uh, nice, nice for you that you got that one in. I needed to get that one in. Uh, again, folks, thanks again to Joe Marino. Five timers. He wore a suit when he came in. Nice. Always wearing a, a suit. Fourth Ward Councilman. Um, gotta be suited, I guess. Gotta be suited. He looks good. He's working. He's looking good all the it's time. It's overcoat. It's overcoat season. I love that. I'm even... waiting to be buttoned down enough to be able to just rock overcoats all the time. I don't really know. I respect this about Joe above almost everything else. I respect him very much. We talk a lot. And... Uh, one of the things he really always makes a point to do is to, even though he's supporting Anthony, is to lord over him that he's been on the show more and that he's like he loves it. Yeah, clout for you. He loves it. He clout loves for you it. is big. I, I'm into it. In that situation. That's I good to have. Uh, all right, I'm going to spoil all my clout right now. It's time for history lessons. Boom. Back uh, into the ground. <laughs> in the underworld. <laughs> Uh, they're actually pretty... I broke them down into two fun little games, though, oh, for the most part. So, uh, On this day in 1731 in Philadelphia... I'm sorry, yeah, 1731 in Philadelphia, uh, Benjamin Franklin opened the first library in the North American colonies. Uh, it was an offshoot uh, of the Junto, a discussion group in Philadelphia, uh, in colonial Philadelphia that gravitated around Franklin. Um, let me see here. In colonial Philadelphia at the time, there were not many books. Books from London booksellers were expensive to purchase and slow to arrive. Franklin and his friends were mostly of moderate means, and none alone could have afforded a representative library such as a gentleman of leisure might expect to assemble. By pooling their resources in pragmatic, Franklonian fashion, uh, they contributed of each creating the book capital of all. So there you go. First library. Uh, I pulled up a list of Ben Franklin's Top ten inventions, mm. and I thought it would be fun to dig through. Any of these you guys know off the top of your head? Ben Franklin inventions. Bifocals. Bifocals. That's yep. That was number two. So very good. Thanks. Anything else? Uh, electricity. The lightning rod. <laughs> I'll give you that. That was number one. All right. The lightning rod. Anything else you guys can think of before I run through a few more? Boston. It's <laughs> pretty good. So how many things did he have? I got a list here of ten. Ten. Uh, these are just some of his. Some an assortment of his inventions. He was very clever, Franklin. Uh, number ten. I don't have any more follow up. Just urinary catheter. Okay. Yep. It's huge. It's Important. And let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. Gross. Uh, number nine. Celebrity in the mid 18th century, America was regarded as little more than a dangerous frontier. Most of the world's well-known musicians, artists, and scientists were headquartered in European capitals. As a witty Renaissance man who could also chop wood, Franklin slipped easily into their ranks. Uh, quickly gaining renown as a superstar from a relatively unknown land. That's what I always liked about Benjamin Franklin. Like he wasn't president. He was, he was just a guy. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was like the most famous American. He was like our most popular American. Uh, number eight, swim fins, which was his first invention when he was 11 years old. 
because he wanted to swim a little faster. Uh, the odometer is credited to him, although not like the official odometer. He invented uh, a way that you could calculate the wheel rotations on a wagon and figure out uh, how long it took to get one place to the other. Hmm. Every 400 revolutions by a carriage wheel was one mile. <laughs> so that's what he determined. So pretty good. Uh, six, American political cartooning. Uh, with his drawing, drawing or die, depicting a snake cut into eight pieces, uh, it's considered to be the first political cartoon. I, I have it tattooed on my arm. Oh. True story. Mm-hmm. True story. I needed one American, uh, like, tattoo, right? I needed something to represent my American history. No, like, like screaming, like, Freedom Eagle with a flag and a no, gun? No, but can I tell you that because I have the join or die snake, people confuse it with the don't tread on me snake. No. Those are two different things. Absolutely. They're not the same. At all. No, not the same at all. Uh, the glass harmonica. Do you guys know what that is? The no. harmonica? It's basically the instrument with the water and the glass where you put your... You wet your fingers and yeah. you go... Uh, yeah, yeah. Makes all the weird sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four, the reaching device or the long arm. If you have like old people in your house and you want to get something off the top shelf, mm-hmm. he invented that. And then, of course, number three, the Franklin stove, which is, I guess, just a... Like a stove. It's a really nice Really stove. nice stove, right? Like, uh, so there you go. Top 10, Ben Franklin. Wait, well, you said that was number three? Well, you said bifocal glasses Wait. and the lightning rod were two and oh, one, but you guys okay, already okay, picked okay. those oh, ones. Oh. Yeah, so you guys knew two of them, the top two. Okay. Good work. Uh, all right, on this day, 1906, Theodore Roosevelt became the first president to visit another country. Uh, he visited Puerto Rico and then Panama. And then took it. <laughs> and then took it. <laughs> I always think about that with the Panama Canal. It must have been quite the discussion when he was like, I'm coming in here and I'm going to build a canal. It's going to be great. And they were like, uh, he's got a big stick. We should probably just let him do what he wants. Uh, I've not been to Panama or Puerto Rico. I'd like to go to both, I feel like. It'd be kind of cool. Like, yeah, it'd be great. I'm into Latin America. Nice to go places. I'd like to be, I'm into like the Latin American like vibes, trying to go to Costa Rica. You would, like disappear in like Central America and just be like an expat? I can see him no, with that no. Yeah. I like, I like America, I like America too much for that. But I would definitely go, if I was going vacationing, I could see myself getting like, be like hey, Costa Rica, hey, uh, Nicaragua, hey, Panama, Puerto Rico, something like that would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. All right. Moving on. On this day, 1978, my favorite musical play of all time, first play I ever saw my sister in, Into the Woods, opened in New York City, ran for 764 mm-hmm. appearances. Ever forced you to watch Into the Woods? No. No. They made a movie about it with James Corden. He was like, uh, it was like one of the things he did right I've before. seen parts of it here and there. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. familiar with it. I never really like, watched it, though. I, you know, He's you gotta obsessed. you gotta oh. like musicals, and I have like the song. So. I have the song book, like the actual like okay. book of song. I found it in a in a library somewhere once. I was like, I just kept oh. it. Did you steal it? Yeah. No, it was it, it wasn't like a, a public library. It wasn't like Ben Franklin's library. It was just like someone's personal collection. They mm-hmm. stole it from. Yeah. I stole it from someone. Okay. Uh, so you did steal. <laughs> so you did indeed steal the book. I did indeed steal the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, look, I like musicals, so I'm kind of biased. I think it's a really well-made, well-crafted. Uh, the music is really interesting. It's like early Stephen Soundheim, and he's like one of the, the top Mount Rushmore like musical theater people in the last 50 years. So it's very good. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's really well done. It's a story about all the fairy tales, all like the Grimm's fairy tales, sort of like Cinderella, Rapunzel, and all that stuff sort of intertwining together. Yeah. But it's really like... I don't know, it's got a lot of interesting overtones. In the 80s, matter of fact, uh, when it came out, a lot of people thought uh, that it was supposed to be interpreted as a parable about AIDS, right? Because there's a giant in this char- in the story. 
uh, who serves as a metaphor who kills the good and bad characters indiscriminately, and they're forced to like band together to fight this greater thing. It just sounds like a woods monster. Yeah. Right, times. <laughs> yeah, but that the play came out in '87, oh, so, so at the time, like they saw this analogy and like they connected it. So at the time, that's what people really expected. Mm-hmm. This is basically a musical version of the Avengers. <laughs> it is kind of. Okay. I kind of see that. I mean, it's, you probably like it. It's very well regarded. Can I tell you the truth? If you want to watch it, fine. We'll put it on right now. No, I, I will not see you next right week, now. folks. It's watch it in the woods. It's worth it to watch the musical. They taped a musical version of this one in 87, like of the Broadway version. It was like well-known. It was on public broadcast. So you can watch it on like YouTube. It's like a popular thing. Yeah. It's worth it to watch that one as opposed to the movie. The, the play is better than the movie. I'll put it that way. The book is better than the movie. Um, all right. On this day, 1994. The book you stole. The book I stole <laughs> is better than the movie. On this day, 1994, uh, George Foreman knocked out Michael Moore to win the Boxing Heavyweight Championship. He was 45 years old. Uh, he... Uh, this was an upset win. He claimed that it was dedicated to all his buddies in the nursing home and all the guys in jail. Uh, I, we've talked about this many times before. I just like it because George Foreman reminds me a lot of my grandpa. And I thought it was a crazy story. It was like this big old boxer who's like, I still got one in me. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's definitely, ignore the, if you ignore the George Foreman grill part and all the weird like. Why would you? Well, I mean. It's a nice piece of kitchen equipment. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. He just I always liked Foreman. If uh, he's got like a crazy career arc, if you're ever looking for a good internet deep well, dive, what's crazy to, to think that he used to like fight Muhammad Ali in the '70s, yes. and he was still that dude fighting on like HBO in the '90s, yeah, and still making grills today, yeah. Oh yeah, like, that guy's really been around. Um, all right, moving on to the last one. On this day, 2007, the uh, writer's strike stalled production of television shows and movies across the country on this day, 2007. Was that really that long ago? What? Yeah, it's been when a lot of it? years. It feels like shorter than that. 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was members of the Writers Guild of America East and the Writers Guild of America West. Uh, they were going on strike in Los Angeles and New York after negotiations broke down with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Uh, the demand was for a larger share of DVD revenues, which seems kind of weird now in hindsight, and payment for films and TV shows distributed over the internet and other forms of new media. That's probably the, the big selling point here. Strike resulted in a loss to the local economy of more than $3 billion, according to the Los Angeles Times. Although I find their calculation of that to be somewhat, like, dubious. Because $1.3 billion of that is the, quote, ripple effect of consumers not spending as much at stores, restaurants, and car dealers. I feel like people, I, I don't know if it's that much of a, I don't know, I, I'm just. Be surprised. It seems like a lot of the $3 billion. Uh, there's a lot of shows that were affected by this standstill. Um, there's a ton of them that you've probably never heard of that just got canceled because of it. But I found four that uh, sort of had some impact because of it. One was Breaking Bad. First season of Breaking Bad would have been longer. There were actually supposed to be two more episodes of the first season. Uh, they, might, they might could have screwed it up. Well, yeah, uh, and Hank was supposed to have died. That's like a soft spoiler if you've ever seen it. In the first season, Hank, who's one of the characters... Who's in all the seasons. He's in all the seasons. Was supposed to die. Was supposed to die in the first season. Uh, so that really they did They were originally going to kill uh, Jesse Pinkman, too, weren't they? They, they were. were. Yeah. Well, you wonder if... He ended up being like the number two yeah. guy for the entire yeah. series. What would they have done otherwise? I can't I mean, imagine that without him. There's a show that I can I'll mention called Boardwalk Empire that I watched. Oh, I watched that. That uh, and I don't think yeah this is long enough where if you haven't watched it by now this is not a spoiler. They, yeah, we're dropping hot Boardwalk hot Empire Boardwalk. spoilers. Yeah, yeah. When Michael Pitt's character Jimmy uh, dies at the end of yeah. season two, he was like one of the most popular characters in the show, yeah. and I think they expected that to be their Sopranos like 
killing big puss moment. Yeah. And it just kind of ruined the show. Yeah, like, I agree. So, and I feel like with Breaking Bad, if you had killed off both those characters, like, okay. Not, yeah, what am I supposed to care about some new guys now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three was a show called Terminator the Sarah Chronicle, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was a Fox television show based on the Terminator franchise. Oh, yeah, it was totally the writer's strike. Other than that, we had oh, it. That no, no, yeah, okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, what they're saying is that because the show had already been filmed before the strike and it was on, it probably got better ratings than it would have otherwise. And it actually stayed around longer because it was out during the thing. So that was actually a bonus for them mm-hmm. on the strike. Uh, number two is 30 Rock. A lot of that was just because Tina Fey was very vocal in her support of the writer's strike, was involved in it, uh, and they reduced one of their seasons, I want to say it was season two, from 22 episodes to 15, as they lost a bunch of episodes there. And then number one is the show Friday Night Lights, which apparently has a very short and shitty second season, which is affected primarily because of the writer's strike. I've heard that first season is unbelievable. Yes. I'd have a lot, of, of, those. A lot of people ride super hard for Friday Night Lights. Yeah, again, this is not my opinion that it was short and cheap. Yeah, yeah, this is like the general opinion. For people who are out there going to hit me up with like, oh, dude. No, but I think even the people agree with that. Like, I think the Friday Night Lights people would agree with you. (laughs) But I'm saying there's people like that first season, like, this is the best. It's wild out there. I feel like uh, I I would like that show if I watched it. I don't know why. That's how I feel. Honestly, that's how I feel about, like, most shows. I feel like if I I watched it, if everybody's like, you got to watch this, it's great. It's probably pretty good to some degree. And I'd probably like it if I watched it. There's only so much time to watch all these shows. Yeah. That's all there is. Uh, speaking of shows, and I'll jump into it right now just because I think you're the only guy, Kev, who's... Did, are you on current Walking Dead? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I won't... Again, I don't think it's spoiling anything. Andrew Lincoln, who's the lead, has left the series after this season. Rick. I don't know how he left the show. I didn't see if he died or if he just left on his own means, so I don't think that's a spoiler. But uh, AMC announced that they were going to do three movies, apparently? What? Uh, yeah, like expanding. How much more can they possibly? They're good. Guys? They're expanding the universe. You're getting no. You're getting three Sorry. Rick Grimes movies <laughs> what are on your, AMC. What are your thoughts about the Rick Grimes movies? As I've <laughs> always had a lot of respect for people who just go all in. <laughs> for people who double down on a heater, um, you always like to see it. So are they movies on? Zombie? Like Walking Dead? I would assume they're yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're yeah. going to expand. No, he's going to play the character, and these three movies are going to advance the overall universe oh. and narrative of Walking Dead. That's why I stopped watching plus that, like, Fear the Walking four. Dead, plus whatever else they do. They're trying to build an extended cinematic universe just on AMC. It's ambitious. I think the smart move for them is have Walking Dead infect another show that's not on AMC, like cross the streams. That would be some real like smart movie. Just make all sorts of styles of shows in the Walking Dead universe. Yeah. But like have like I don't know, like have uh like zombies show up on like the Big Bang Theory. Like, oh my god, it's the Walking Dead zombies. This same no, universe. Dark, yeah. And then it gets really dark. Really dark for no like half funny. a season. See if no, see if they were smart, what no, they would do smart, is they would have the Walking Dead come in fact their other shows that people aren't watching. Like that oh. movie about the railroads in Alaska, that that the old, terror, the train movie. No, the terror was excellent. Um, oh, was the the movie about trains that Common is in that they oh. used to try to. <laughs> yeah, do. yeah. Nobody's watching that show, so no. the zombies cross over. I into, watch it. And then I there totally it goes. Watch it. And more importantly, the people who watch every single piece of media they put out because they've got like a fandom, those people watch it because they're completists, and yeah. that's how you get the money. Smart. See, I like call that. me AMC. Call me. Uh, bringing back one of my favorite segments, uh, mailbags from other uh, forms of media. I'm stealing a question from a mailbag I saw this week. It just said, 
Uh, here's the question. My boss just followed me on Twitter. I only have my first name on the account, so I'm assuming he found me because my phone number is linked to my account. Now that <laughs> now that Twitter from time to time shows your tweets and people you follow uh, and the, that people you follow have liked, I think there's a good chance that he will see some of the weird Twitter posts that I like. Uh, what's my move here? I don't really want to explain these weird tweets to a 50 year old plus man. So guys, what are your thoughts if like a boss or family member follows you on social media? You just pretend they're not even following me. I don't even think about it. You just move on. I just move on because at this age we're adults. Here, so. well, here's here's I mean the question is uh, you need more information. About this person's employment. Like, is this the guy who owns the pizza place you work at? Probably don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Is this, like, some, did you just get a job in some super serious, like, government or academic type thing or something? Maybe just delete it. community-based job. Just delete it. You're not hurting yourself by deleting your Twitter. Or Like, just just dump all your tweets. It's fine. There are security things on there, so you can hide everything. Yeah, but... I would say the move is make yourself another account. If you really are that concerned about it, have your personal professional account and then have your own private account, mm-hmm. your own separate account, and then make sure you, you do dumb stuff on that account and not your business account, well, like some people I know. Anymore. Maybe I shouldn't do dumb stuff anymore. Yeah, let's I, know, just do that. I know, I know. I was asking for it. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's what Kevin Durant did. There was a really famous NBA player for Heather, because I know you have to watch. He's like one of the best players in the league. You always talk about I it. Know, so. I know, I know. He's one of the best players in the league, and then he got caught, like, with he forgot to log out or something. He got caught in the media for having a secondary Twitter account to respond to trolls that were like, oh, you didn't play good tonight or shouldn't have left your team, and he got caught in, like, a really embarrassing way. That's what happens to you. If you get the second account, you end up, like, it's Kevin true. Durant out there getting raked over so the don't coals. Don't go get a second account, true. You know he's got a second account. <laughs> I have five accounts. <laughs> talking about. Five Twitter accounts. Uh, I only have access to two of them anymore, though. The other don't draw. They're, like, zombie accounts now, because I don't remember the passwords, mm. and I don't remember, like, I had to, like, set up different... They're bots. They're bots. I don't remember what they... they don't... Sam's running the bot army. Bot army, off his phone. Uh, quick doomsday report. Uh... Yeah, all right. World Wildlife Foundation uh, has estimated that 60% of animal populations on the globe are gone since 1970. 60% of the total animal population. dinosaurs. Uh, right. 4,000 uh, 4, species of birds, mammals, fish, and reptiles. What a downer. The astounding decline in wildlife population is a grim reminder and perhaps the ultimate indicator of the pressure we exert on this planet, Marco Lamberti, the director uh, general of the WWF, wrote in an introduction to the reports. That's why you guys vote tomorrow, too. <laughs> yeah, it's true for the environment. You know, it's funny. During the interview, Joe had a lot to say or about today. environmental stuff. We've got a lot of environmental issues. Yeah. I mean, even, like up, right even up around here, it's, you know, it's a real thing. Like, we... A lot of what makes our area uh, a great place to live is our, you know, the surrounding area. I mean, Heather, like, look, you, how much time do you spend out in the yeah. environment and in we, nature and in everything, you know? We were up at Whiteface, and the guy had warned us we were up there that the uh, air quality wasn't good that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, at Whiteface, would you ever think that you would go to the top of a mountain up in the Adirondacks and have to worry about air quality? Start yeah. having smog days. Uh, and if you think it's better under the sea, you're wrong. In a report from Vice earlier this week, the seafloor is dissolving because of climate change. Carbon emissions are acidifying the ocean and dissolving the seafloor. Uh, there's so a danger. We're just gonna crumble. Yeah, we're going from. So we're working oh on both God, sides. We're working think. on. <laughs> So for all you Lovecraft folks, get ready, yeah. because his return is imminent. Mighty <laughs> <laughs> Cthulhu, yes. Uh, the old gods will rise from the sea floor. Something's gonna happen. Been oh. asleep for millennia. 
Well, when the old gods are dead, the new gods will rise. So there you go. That's what I've been told. What? I don't know. That's a line from something, isn't it? It's from, no. it's from Marvel Comics. It's Thanos. Is that one of those oh, robocalls? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old gods are dead. The new gods will rise. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of uh, new gods, did you see that NASA revealed modern constellations featuring modern characters? No. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, move over, Orion, Ursa Major. We have now Godzilla, the Hulk, and Thor. They've all gotten their own That's modern so constellations uh, based on sources in the gamma ray sky, which is invisible to humans. Uh, so there's all sorts of them. There's a TARDIS from Doctor Who. I got brought into this because there's Godzilla, which of makes course. me very pleased. Uh, what are your thoughts about the new constellations? My, my immediate reaction is, although I'm a big supporter of NASA, tell them to get over themselves. The constellations have been the constellations for... Thousands of years since the old gods were here last. They gave them the names right. But I guess in it makes sense to update constellations and put them in terms of things that modern people identify with. Exactly. And I think modern people are going to identify with, you know, Godzilla more than they're going to identify with Ursa Major or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Some of the old stuff. They're just making it fun. When the old stuff doesn't have relevance to the people anymore, so they won't understand why we call it, like, oh, the shield or the water jug or whatever, the water jug. You know what I mean? I got to say, it doesn't look like the Hulk. But None of the constellations look like that. That's the dirty little secret. Orion doesn't look like Orion. Only one that looks like any is the Big Dipper and Little Dipper. That's it. And even then. <laughs> and then I got a quick music report before we head out here. You guys ready for some music? Always. Uh, did you guys see that the Spice Girls are announcing a reunion tour? I they've been announcing it forever. But they're not bringing back Posh. So is it really a reunion tour? Of course not. I, don't, I forgot she was even there, so... I don't even <laughs> did you like the Spice Girls like, growing up? I did, I guess. Who was your know. Spice Girl that you related to? I feel like that was a big sporty. catch. You got to relate to I one like of them. Sporty. She's sporty. What do you mean? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Uh, I was, I was more of a Ginger Spice Man I myself. I see that. Ginger could have been Ginger Spice Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, I saw today that uh, Rihanna banned Donald Trump from using her I like, music I saw that tweet. Uh, at a rally. And it got me wondering, like, I feel like that probably happens all the time with well, politicians. It does. You're always seeing that. I've, I've been seeing that for years. Like, I remember back in the day when it was, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival banning Bush, like, the first time he yeah. ran in, like, 2000, yeah, 2004, yeah. or whatever. Uh, but I did see that also Pharrell this week did the same. So yeah. Pharrell and Rihanna this week, both to Trump. So it got me curious who else had done this. Uh, so here's just a short list of people during these last two years who have told Trump not to use their songs. Uh, Neil Young told him not to use Rocking in the Free World, uh, which I guess seems like a big... I feel like you'd see that in a lot of like political rallies. Seems I feel like, like he's probably going to tell a lot of people like that. I that know, seems, I yeah. know, I understand. That, yeah, because that song I is... I do like that, yeah. so I know it fits, but... Uh, Pharrell was, using, was complaining about the song Happy, uh, which I guess I, I could see why you'd use that in a political... I mean, Springsteen, I feel like that comes to the territory. Born yeah. in the USA. Come on, man. That's... True. you got to almost like send out preemptive. Like, yeah, listen, guys. Yeah. Like, geez, you know, election season starts up in six months. I better send out this preemptive. Listen, before anybody tries something, call the boss first. Uh, 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 Dream On by Aerosmith. Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler said, nah. He said, no. Nah! Oh, I can't do this. Did huh? he say president? No, these are all Trump. Oh. These are oh, all for Trump. Okay. Okay. Uh, R.E.M. said he can't use it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine, <laughs> which I can't. Imagine he'd want to use... But he, you never know, so yeah. I feel like that's a, that was a good call. <laughs> uh, Twisted Sister said he cannot use We're Not Gonna Take It. I would love to watch a debate between Dee Snyder and Donald Trump. That'd be very entertaining. Adele said they can't use the theme song from Skyfall, which I'm for because it's a great theme song, and I wouldn't want to think... You ever hear the Skyfall theme song? I probably have, and I don't <sighs> know. Villainous move. 
It's the, it's the, it's the James Bond theme song. Skyfall. Such a good song. Oh my god, so good. And then Elton John said he can't use Tiny Dancer or Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man is probably can't use the name. And the Rolling Stones said he can't use uh, Start Me Up. You can't always get what you want. A lot of people use Rolling Stone songs. I feel I think, like I think it's pretty. Rolling Stone's got one of the widest bases. I mean, they've got rate. more songs too than almost anybody when it really comes down to it. Like songs that people know. Uh, George Harrison, Here Comes the Sun, said nah. And then a the weird one to play out there too. Estate of Queen and the Estate of Prince have both shut him down. I think those are the last two I have. So there you go. Uh, longer list than I imagined, actually. A lot of people. Out there. I, didn't even think I feel about like it would be a you would if I was somebody who had music that anybody wanted to license for something like that, I wouldn't necessarily be against it, but like come ask. Mm. Just send a letter, send a call, you know what I mean? Like not hard to find, at least come and ask me. Maybe I will let you. But if you're mm. using it, you didn't talk to me first, I'm probably gonna be like, you know what? Knock it off, no thanks. I'm not trying to Hitch myself to anybody. Speaking of hitching yourself to somebody, folks, if you have not already gone out to vote today, please go out there and vote. Get your uh, Make your voice heard. If you don't know who to vote for, go to maidenutica.com slash election day and check out the article that Kate uh, Riley at Maiden Utica did. Really nice, awesome. concise piece about uh, who's running, what they're standing for, what you can learn more about them, uh, where you can go to vote. It's all there for you. If you have any questions, it's important you vote, no matter who you're voting for. Thank you once again to our uh, guest this week, newest member of Five Timers Club, Joe Marino, for joining us, spending some time. Uh, follow Heather on... You know what? Don't follow any of us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay off Twitter. Have nothing follow the show. I'll, I'll be nice. Uh, follow the show at Uticast. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, Instagram, uh, number Apple, one on Stitcher. Number one on number Stitcher. One. Apple Podcasts were taken over the web. Uh, Woodstock lives. Uh, keep it tight. Um, you know what? Also, I want to shout out to uh, Jill and Mark. They lost their their puppy this week. Saw uh, that. Very sad. Uh, sorry, Rain. No, no, not their no, puppy. Her oh, family, family, family dog. Her family dog. Very old dog. Lived a nice yeah. life. What? Yeah. yeah. But still, still, worse, still awful. Nothing worse than losing a pet. Very sad. Yeah. So. Sorry, guys. Tough, tough hell. Thinking about thinking about Rainy. All right. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week uh, after some after election coverage. We'll see how it goes. Feeling good. Okay.